Welcome to Dig Deep. I'm so glad you're joining us today. I'm very excited to introduce my guest. I'm interviewing my friend Amy Butler-Smith is here. Amy Smith, can you say hi? Hi. I'm very excited to have Amy on the podcast today. We are, of course, in the middle of this series right now called Dysfunctional, where we're talking about relationships in our lives that have problems, where there's brokenness, there's a divide between us, and I'm really excited for Amy to share part of her story later on in the podcast. But first, let me introduce her a little bit. Amy and my sister Joanna have been friends for years. How long have you guys been friends now? I think it's like 13 like high school, years. Though. Yeah, we met on the first day of on the first day? high school in drama oh, class. That's so appropriate. Yes. I mean, they're, little, they're <laughs> drama buddies. And you went all the way through undergrad together. That's right. So years, and they're still buddies. And Amy's just really awesome. Amy works as a fundraising consultant mm-hmm. for a company that works with a lot of different nonprofits. She's a newlywed. Mm-hmm. She has that newlywed glow, you guys. I know you can't see Thank her, you. but... Yeah, you're about to celebrate a year in January. Yeah, one year. To Jacob, who seems awesome. I've only met him like once or twice, but he seems really, really cool. And Jacob is a scientist. He's an astrophysicist. astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. And so he does a lot of work with NASA. And right now he is where? He is in Antarctica. Which is crazy. And he's been there for two weeks and he might be there for... Two months. Up to two months. Up to two months. Depending on the way the winds <laughs> blow, literally. Yeah, it's crazy. They like have to wait until the conditions are right to do their... Science. Science. That's what he to do their it. science. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me. And when I told Ben that I, that Jacob was in Antarctica, he was feeding me all kinds of great puns to use. Like, you know, oh, that's so cool that he's in Antarctica. But, oh, they have to be apart for two months. That really bites. And I just roll my eyes because his, his dad jokes have been getting worse and worse over the years. Well, Jacob will be very honored. In addition to loving science, he loves puns. Oh, good. Well, good. Well, Jacob, that's for you. Ben has... 10 more that he can share with you when you come back. He has lots of Antarctica puns for you. But that's awesome. So he's there. You miss him. And that's sad. But I'm glad because you have a little bit of extra time. So you've been able to come here and interview (laughs) with me, which I appreciate. So just to summarize, for those of you who are listening, if you haven't heard the first two weeks of this series, or even if you have um, some of the context for you for what we're going to be talking about today in our interview, in the first week of this series, we talked about those relationships in our lives where we have fallen out of step with someone, where something about our lives, our circumstances, our personalities, miscommunications, something makes it so that a relationship that was fine is now no longer aligned. It's mm-hmm. out of step, and so there, a divide is there. And if that's left unattended, we said it can grow into something even bigger and can lead to more permanent damage being done. And then last week, we talked about those relationships where there's not just a little misstep or a little divide between us, but a huge chasm has formed, whether it was from some big event, a a betrayal or a hurt from our past that has sort of defined the relationship and set the trajectory for the relationship moving forward, or whether it's just a whole bunch of those misunderstandings piled together have made it so that That relationship is one that we feel like it's irreparable or we walk away from it completely. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think is interesting about family relationships, and this is what we're going to talk about a little bit today, is as we've said earlier when we were talking, Amy, you can't really fully walk away from family relationships. Mm -hmm. That if it's a relationship with a friend or a coworker where there's a huge divide, it's sometimes easier to just give up on the relationship and walk away. But when it's family, we don't walk away. There's Mm -hmm. something that compels us. There's something that keeps us 
connected. And so today I've invited you here, Amy, because I want you to share a little bit about your relationship with your parents, specifically with your dad, um, and what that was like growing up for you. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your relationship with your dad. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not one for a big ending, so I'll give the ending at the beginning, which is that uh, my dad passed away uh, two and a half years ago, um, and we were in a great place in our relationship when that happened, but... I like, I'll set that context for people that haven't met me and then go back to the beginning. Uh, So my parents got divorced when I was about four or five years old. And as Jess said, this is, was kind of a huge divide in our family that really didn't have anything to do with me. So I think sometimes things happen Mm -hmm. and we're just caught up in it. And that was my case. So my parents got divorced and I mostly grew up with my mom and spent some time with my dad. Uh, When I was really young, he lived very close by, so he was kind of incorporated into our lives. I have an older brother. And then um, as we got older, my dad got remarried to my stepmom, who I love, and she was living in Baltimore, so my dad went and lived with her, so he was further away. And then it became um, kind of felt like a burden to Mm. go spend time with him because it felt like it took us away from our lives, our daily lives that we were having. So I remember certain times when it would be someone's birthday party, but it was my weekend with my dad and I would have to Mm. miss the birthday party. And it always kind of felt like I had to be in two places at once. Um, And I was a big theater kid, as we've already revealed. (laughs) That's how I knew Joe. And I had lots of rehearsals every day and then um, performances. There would be performance weekend. And I think I would always compare my parents because my mom would be drop me off at every rehearsal and then attend every show. Mm. And my dad would come to one of the shows. And to me, that felt like he didn't really love me. Why wasn't he, you know, seeing me as much or spending as much time with me as my mom was? And there were always just these moments that kind of um, after the big fallout of the divorce, then there were these little pinpricks of times where I wasn't satisfied in our relationship or I felt like he wasn't doing what he should do. And later on when I was in high school, my dad and stepmom had moved to Bethesda, so even further away, but my dad was working in Columbia. And I knew for a fact that he would pass my mom's house on his way Mm. back to his house. And um, I felt very bitter towards him that he wouldn't just stop by or Mm. take me out on a weeknight or something. It was occasional, few and far between, we would go to the library or Staples. We love to go to Staples together. (laughs) That was your thing. Mm -hmm. We really both loved organization. (laughs) Um, But it didn't happen as frequently as I desired. And I just had a lot of anger and bitterness towards him for those reasons. Um, And especially when I was in high school, kind of my parents, when my brother got his license, because he's older than me, they told us it was our decision whether we wanted to spend time at our dad's house or not, even though the custody agreement said laid out right. our certain times. Sure. Um, and kind of following my brother's lead, but also myself, really decided not to spend a lot of time with my dad. Um, and that was kind of how things got before I got into college. Wow. And I mean, that is such a picture of what I think so many of us have experienced in a relationship where in your case, there was a big, a big rift early on, a big Mm -hmm. chasm was formed in the divorce of your parents. Mm -hmm. And then that followed, what followed that was a 
ton of little missteps, little mm-hmm. miscommunications, misunderstandings. I mean, the just hearing that he, you knew he drove through the town where you lived on his commute and didn't spend time. I mean, that is what all of us have experienced in a relationship mm-hmm. where we feel let down by somebody. And it, it might be something little, but it adds up. And, and so by the time you got to high school and you had the freedom to choose how much of a relationship do you want, you were feeling like you didn't yeah. want much of one at all. Um, and that relationship maybe withered. Right. Even more so than it had in your in your young childhood years. So then get to you get to college, mm-hmm. you've got great relationships in your life. You do have a relationship with your dad and you said you ended up taking this class Mm -hmm. and this is amazing to me. So what was the (laughs) class called again? So I think it was the family sociology or sociology of the family. So I was a sociology major, not focused on families, focused on organizations, but this was one of my within major electives. Mm -hmm. And I love this class and basically the teacher the way that she outlined it was teaching us all these different dynamics of families and the statistics behind them and um, about marriage and divorce, children, adoption, interracial marriage, just kind of every topic you could think of for family. We were looking at it from the social scientific lens, yeah. um, writing reports about it. It was a pretty, it was a tough class. But then the final assignment was that you had to select something you discussed in the class, do a research project on it, pretty standard, and then interview people in your family about this topic. So you had to pick something that was close Relevant to, to your, your family. family. Yeah. And my dad was former military. So for a while, like hmm. probably half of the semester, I was thinking, I'll just interview my dad about being military, which is a total cop out for me because <laughs> we're not like one of those army families. Like my dad was done with the military yeah. by the time he had his kids. So that would have been a complete cop out. It had nothing to do with me. And I think as the semester went on, I just really felt like this is my opportunity to ask my parents about the divorce because they weren't very open about what had happened. I know other kids who know all of the nitty gritty details mm-hmm. all the way growing up. And I appreciate that my family protected me from that mm-hmm. because I think when you're young, it's hard to handle it. Yeah. But at the same time, it was kind of this big chasm in my life that affected every part of my life. And I knew none of the details that happened. Yeah. So I decided that I would interview both of my parents about the divorce. And I had never really had that deep of a conversation with my dad. I mean, if you had known me in high school and known my dad, I would describe my relationship like he didn't really know me. He didn't Mm. really understand me. I was always trying to make him proud, but Mm. I was just bringing my best to him and just saying, look at these good grades and look at this. Like he didn't know about, you know, my little baby heartbreaks that I was having or problems with friends or my brother even. So to have this deep of a conversation with him was terrifying. (laughs) And I kind of talked to my professor about how to set this up and how to go about it. And she was really helpful and suggested like, do it in a neutral space so that you're not on either person's Mm -hmm. turf and, um, you know, somewhere with like enough people that you'll feel like kind of, I feel like safe in crowds and protected and 
but not so many people that it's just going to be distracting or interrupted. So we mm-hmm. decided to meet at the student center at University of Maryland and sat in the chairs. I can, I walk past it all the time. I can picture mm-hmm. exactly where it happened. And I knew my dad was also really nervous because he was confirming more details than he usually did, like oh. texting, like, <laughs> this is the right time. This is the right location. Yes. And we got there and I had written out this list of questions that was loosely aligned to my research project, but also things that I just wanted to mm, know. Yeah. And without going into all of the details of the conversation, because I think that's personal between yeah. my dad and I, but we he was really honest about mm. what happened, including a lot of things that I had never heard of or confirming things that I thought, uh, shutting down misinformation that I had and he was really raw and um, told me things about himself that honestly put him into a bad light Um, and he said to me I know that this might change the way that you feel about me but I think that you deserve to know I think it's important for you to know and honestly it 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 made me love him more Um, Mm. and it helped me to see him as a real person and um, a lot of the myths that I had built up mm. about who he was or why he was being this mean to me or whatever I was thinking, uh, a lot of it got broken down when I understood him as a person and his hurts. And yeah. it really was the conversation that started to repair our whole relationship. It's incredible. And I feel like that is the perfect picture of what we talked about week one in the series about taking the long walk of empathy, which is so, so hard in relationships. And I think it's awesome that you had an assignment literally from a professor (laughs) to do this. And for those of us who have a relationship in our lives like this, the thought of setting something like that up, I think a lot of the same principles should mm-hmm. apply, um, but it's hard to force ourselves to do it when it's not for a grade in our major, it, you know, when we're in undergrad, it's it's something that we just know needs to happen. But the idea of meeting in a neutral space and coming with a list of thoughtful questions with the goal to be to understand mm-hmm. someone's perspective, because you wanted to know what happened, but you also wanted to hear from him. And I think it's, a wonderful thing that your dad took that opportunity Mm -hmm. to be so vulnerable and be so honest with you. And that ultimately that was, I think you would say, tell me if I'm wrong, the thing that sparked your relationship turning the corner from being one that had grown almost Mm business-like, like, okay, you're my dad and I'm your daughter. Definitely. And we talk about these things. We don't talk about these things. You don't really know me you don't really know my life Mm -hmm. and and changed your relationship moving forward and and so then what happened from that point on I mean what was your how did it affect your relationship how did it change your relationship yeah it was it was huge I mean I think that was that would have been my spring of my sophomore year and um, that summer I decided to take an internship at the Census Bureau and I lived with my dad and I had not lived with my dad since before my parents got divorced. I had stayed with him, but I had never made residence in his home. And so it changed it so much that I wanted to get to know him and I desired to have a relationship with him and moved in with him. And that happened to be the summer that a longtime boyfriend broke up with me and Mm -hmm. I was with my dad and my dad was the one that came in got me from the breakup site because I was too emotional to ride the metro home. I mean, it really 
you know, completely changed our relationship and made him someone that I wanted to trust and did trust and wanted to share my emotions with. It was still a rocky road because we didn't really know each other and we didn't know how to love each other. And um, we had to figure each other out. But I think I had like so much grace in the bank because I was so appreciative Mm. of him being honest with me that I was able to spread some of that grace out in moments where he didn't act in the way that I wanted him to. But I think I also, talking about the long road of empathy, I also understood some of his decisions and was very appreciative of them. Like Mm. I had always thought, you know, why why doesn't he stop by my house on his way home? Why doesn't he want to spend time with me? As he's describing, like, he stayed near our house to be with us. Like mm. they, he and my stepmom had the option to move anywhere. Mm. Um, and he told her point I'm blank, staying I'm staying here. My kids are here. Like some of the decisions that I saw as. Once you look at them from a different yeah, angle, they look really different. He actually was choosing me wow. um, where I thought he wasn't doing enough. Mm. He was saying, you were my priority you were the reason that I changed, that my life changed, that I made these decisions, that the things that I was doing before your mother and I got divorced, I wasn't doing anymore. And just, I mean, phenomenal commitment to me that I couldn't see from my bitterness that after hearing his story, and I think one of the things that really helped was, yeah, having that set of questions because it then didn't become an argument or a fight or an engagement between like, I want to hear you out so that I can shoot you down. Yeah. By having that set of questions, I would just say, okay, question two. And I almost <laughs> yeah. like didn't have to deal with whatever yeah. I was just experiencing. Just take note of it. Yeah. Process it later. Exactly. Wow. So. And then when you did process those things, this is what I think is so amazing. And, and I'm confident it was such a key ingredient in your healing of your relationship with your dad was that, and you referenced Grace, that after hearing all these things in this interview format and you're getting all this information that's new and having to process it all, you were taking the long walk of empathy. You were seeing things from his side, but then it's not like you saw things from his side and thought, oh, well, this has all just been a huge misunderstanding. He's amazing. He's perfect. He's wonderful. You were seeing that he is a flawed human being Mm -hmm. like we all are and that there was brokenness there and brokenness in his life that affected your life Mm -hmm. and there was real pain there and you chose what we talked about last week you chose to extend grace and Mm -hmm. right around the same time you were experiencing the grace of Jesus for the first time is that right like this is all the same season of life definitely where you had um you were not a believer yet you had heard a lot about Jesus right but we're still coming to understand him and his grace and so I'd love to hear you talk about what what role that played in this whole relationship what you learned about grace through this yeah definitely yeah it was college was transformative for me which I think a lot of people could say so it was definitely around the same time that I was really um desiring to know more about Jesus just from some of the things that had happened in my own life and wondering I mean my big question when I came to Jesus was why do these bad things happen to good people and um really wrestling in in that space um but also I think what was huge for me was to realize that I am a sinner in need of 
grace and forgiveness, um, which is something that I learned over the course of kind of my senior year of college into that year after college space. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there was something that you said, actually, when you were oh. <laughs> preaching and talking about forgiveness and the story of mm-hmm. a master and two servants and the master forgives the servant and then that Mm -hmm. servant turns around and doesn't show forgiveness to this other servant and I at that time was in grad school and I um, was just holding a lot of resentment both towards my dad but also towards my mom um, Mm -hmm. for some of the similar things in the same time that I had this conversation with my dad I had a similar conversation with my mom that wasn't as open and honest Mm -hmm. And for me, I held a lot of resentment towards her for not being honest with me in the same way that he had been honest with me. So I was working on forgiveness with him and also harboring a lot of bitterness towards her Mm. at that time. And I was hearing your voice through the podcast, knowing you, but not quite knowing you intimately. And I was washing dishes and I just had this kind of moment of realization where you said, how can we turn around and withhold forgiveness from others when God has forgiven us for nothing that we have done. We don't deserve this forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And yet we turn around and say to other people, you don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember washing dishes and falling on the floor, weeping with my hands in soapy Mm -hmm. water and realizing that, um, you know, it was easier with my dad to have that forgiveness because we both wanted to lay it Mm -hmm. all bare and put it on the table and, um, see each other in that hurt state and, and build one another up. And I was feeling it was harder with my mom because we weren't having the same open, honest conversations, but realizing that it just was not fair of me to withhold forgiveness from her because of everything that Jesus had done for me. So absolutely coming to know Jesus had an effect on both of my relationships with my parents. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. That's incredible. And and that is so true. I mean, that's what we've been talking about in this series. That's what we talked about last week is that grace is the only weapon that ultimately can defeat our enemies because it transforms our enemies into our friends again and into people that we love. And there are people who have hurt us. They've hurt us by things that they've done or said, or they've hurt us because they're not being real with us or they're not being as transparent with us and the relationship struggles. And for you to show that grace to both of your parents and to experience healing in those relationships, I just think is incredible. Mm -hmm. And our passage, of course, for this series that we've been looking at is from Romans 12. And Paul kicks off by saying, love must be sincere in verse nine, Mm -hmm. hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And you've said that was a big defining verse as you thinking as you think about these relationships is what does it mean for love to be sincere mm-hmm. and because this is you know we've talked the first week about okay we're out of step with someone we need to take the long walk of empathy and try to see things from their vantage point and when someone has wounded us deeply we need to attempt to show grace because that's the only first step that's actually going to lead us anywhere healthy mm-hmm. but what do you do when you don't feel it i mean love is not sincere it doesn't feel The thought, I mean, I'm sure there are people listening who have relationships in their lives, like what your relationship with your dad specifically was in college, and the thought of sitting down with them and having an interview and trying to really hear them out on their side of the story is terrifying. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it was terrifying. How do we get to a place where love can 
really be sincere? I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Mm. Well, I feel like I was privileged to learn a lot of this lesson from my husband, actually, when we were dating and then engaged. I'm a highly emotional person. I'll be the first to tell you that I'm very sensitive. I have sensitive skin. I have a sensitive stomach and very sensitive emotions. Oh, okay. I'm just very sensitive. (laughs) Um, And I remember when Jacob and I were dating and I would say to him about something, oh, I feel mad. I feel sad. I feel this. And he would just, he's a scientist, point blank, look back at me and say, well, you can't be a slave to your feelings. Feelings are fickle. And at the time, I was like, you're "You're crazy. (laughs) Um, My feelings are who I am. This is me. And I just didn't know an identity other than what I was feeling. So he walked me through several pieces of scripture and just lessons about, um, yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to act on our feelings. You can feel your feelings. They are true. They are what they are. Um, but that you sometimes have to make the choice that's the opposite of your feelings. Yeah. And that has been such a huge blessing. And I, knowing that now has really had an impact on how I look back onto those relationships. And yeah. I'm grateful for that. So I think love not feeling sincere is okay. Because our feelings often deceive us and um, are momentary and are fleeting. Mm -hmm. And I know so many, I can, I won't go into them, but I could give so many examples of times where I acted on my feelings only to completely regret those decisions because 15 minutes later I was fine. (laughs) I felt fine. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So So being able to cling to God's word and the truth of how he calls us to treat people, even when we don't feel like it, is super important. And I think... The sincerity comes in how sincerely God loves us, not in mm. how sin- not in how we feel towards someone else or how angry we are towards them or how justified. Because, so I mean, yeah. many people would say I was very justified oh, in being angry at my dad. But if I'm just going to sit in that justification, first of all, it gets broken down as soon as you look at the cross. Yeah. Because we are not justified to have the forgiveness that we have. Yeah. So then to turn that to others is ridiculous but then also that as justified as I am that's not going to lead me to any uh, point of a good relationship right I'm just going to be stuck forever if I keep spouting how justified I am in being angry yeah like and as your husband Jacob would say then you are a slave to your emotions and so when you act on those emotions it sort of seals them a little Mm -hmm. bit it's like this is now it becomes a defining aspect in the relationship. And Paul goes on to say later, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And I think those two verses really go hand in hand, that we choose to be devoted, that it's a discipline, like you were saying, mm-hmm. that we we do things that don't feel natural. And, and yes, everyone would have said you'd been totally justified to hold that grudge against your father or to um, in some way punish him for any pain that he caused in your life, but by being devoted and disciplined to the point where you, you didn't just take the long walk of empathy to sit down with him. You let that be the initial step, but Mm -hmm. then you went and lived with him and went to understand him better and go deeper in that relationship. And that required lots of 
walks of empathy, mm-hmm. I'm sure, over and for over. For both of us. Sure. And then lots of grace for you to, again and again, say, I'm going to show grace for that, and I'm going to show grace for that. And that ultimately led to a deep, deep, sincere love that also felt sincere. Yeah. It wasn't just you being devoted. It was really a, a deep and wonderful, healthy relationship that you were able to enjoy with your dad. Absolutely. And, and so then... Back in 2013, um, this is when I was getting to know Amy a little bit better because we were getting ready to celebrate my sister Joanna's wedding. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were on a bachelorette weekend together in D.C. And I think that's the most time I've ever spent with you probably was that weekend. It was super fun, good planning. It was really fun. Thank you. (laughs) I do pride myself on my planning, as I've probably (laughs) shared before on the podcast. And, um, And you were in grad school in Ohio at the time. Right. And you came came in for the weekend and your dad um, was in D.C. and got in touch with you. Yeah. And I just love this, this story of how beautiful your relationship was. And yeah. Then- yeah. So we were at this bachelorette weekend and, um, the, the bachelorette party was the weekend before Joe's wedding. So I was really debating whether or not to come home, but Jess encouraged me, you know, it would really mean a lot for Joe for you to come. So I decided I'm going to buy the plane ticket. I'm going to go home. And then on the last day, we had some time between like breakfast and then when I had to be back at the airport. So I texted my dad. He lived in D.C. at the time and said, hey, I'm I'm in D.C. Do you have any time? So he and my stepmom and I went and had brunch together and just had like a really fun time. And um, and then he was able to drive me back to the airport. And then um, two days later on a I got an email from my dad. The subject line was, love you. And it said, thought you'd like to know just how much I love you. So much that it's impossible to describe. Have a wonderful day, dad. (laughs) I have it on my phone. And um, I got that email and was busy. And then the next day was sitting down to respond to the email before a Bible study that I was leading. And um, that's when I got the phone call that my dad had passed away. And it was very unexpected. He was healthy and riding his bike home from work. Um, And it was really, really hard, of course, and very sad. But I, the whole time that I was home, kind of dealing with the funeral and everything, I just felt this overwhelming sense of gratefulness to Mm -hmm. God that when my dad passed we were in such a good place we really loved each other and had the relationship that I had always desired with him but never thought was possible to the point that I got this beautiful email the day before my dad passed away and I will always get to remember him in that space and I just know so many people that are never able to get over the hurt or to make the steps and that pain goes on beyond the grave because there's the pain of losing the person and then there's the pain of recognizing that this relationship never had the opportunity to be what it could be and I just feel immensely incredibly blessed that I did have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to have that relationship that I wanted with my dad and I no one can ever take that away and it's just wonderful and the the best way to remember him that's incredible thank you for sharing that Amy and as you said there are people listening who they have not yet experienced the healing that 
you and your dad experienced mm. in, in your relationship. And so as we, as we close today, I, I, I'd love for you to talk to those people, those people who are listening, who are saying, yeah, I've, I've heard what Jess has been saying about taking the long walk of empathy and showing grace and it's hard and I don't know where to begin. And I don't, they don't ever see themselves on the other side. Mm -hmm. They don't of that chasm of this rift that has grown between them and this person. And as they hear your story, I, I hope that those people are hearing, I hope that you're hearing the message of hope that we have in the gospel, mm-hmm. that because of how Jesus loved us so much that he extended that grace to us, that that same grace can heal any broken relationship, mm-hmm. no matter how broken it has the power to do that. Um, and if you could just share with people what you'd encourage them to do to take a step toward that so that they maybe could experience a taste of just that joy that you experienced with mm-hmm. your dad. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of practical steps that I could give people to say, call the person or email them or whatever the case may be. And I think those are all really good. And I would advise you people of the internet (laughs) to do so. Um, But I would say first, most important is to remember how forgiven you are in Christ and to uh, dwell on that truth in whatever way makes sense to you. If you're someone who hears that message through music or scripture or podcasts or whatever Mm. it may be, Um, because these conversations are not easy and there's no guarantee that it will go the way that my conversation went with my dad. You have no idea how it's going to turn out. But if you can go into that conversation, just remembering how forgiven you are, then you are able to show grace to yourself when you mess up and also to the other person in the conversation. So my application is (laughs) do whatever you need to do to just, remember how forgiven and loved you truly are. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. I, I really can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today and for sharing your story. I know that it'll have an impact on a lot of people in a beautiful way. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Thanks for being here, everybody. Join us again next week as we continue this series dysfunctional. And until then, remember to dig deep.